This is Hotspots H2O from Circle of Blue's award-winning team of journalists, where each week we examine regions, populations, and countries that are at most risk from water-related stresses. I'm J. Carl Ganter. With stories from around the world, we're revealing the challenges that individuals confront and the solutions they discover as they strive to build resilient communities in the face of the fast-growing competition between water, food, and energy in a changing climate. Uh, welcome to Hotspots H2O. I'm Brett Walton, a Circle of Blue reporter. The theme of this series, as you probably know, is water and conflict. With such an important resource, disputes are inevitable. We see examples on nearly every continent, brinksmanship between India and Pakistan over the Indus River, dam building on the great rivers of Southeast Asia and the Amazon. Even here in the United States, there are protests over the Dakota Access Pipeline and more water lawsuits than you can count. Conflict, however, has two sides. It can drive a wedge between parties, or more optimistically, it can draw them together. That second aspect, the potential for cooperation, is what we'll discuss today. The location of this particular conflict is the western edge of North America, where there's a struggle over natural resources on both sides of the U.S.-Canada border. Mining companies have opened or are exploring at least 10 mining projects in three watersheds in the province of British Columbia. The mines are upstream of southeast Alaska's most productive salmon rivers, which has raised concerns from the fishing and tourism industries and native communities. Today, I'm speaking with Alaska Lieutenant Governor Byron Malott, who's helping to lead the state's negotiations with British Columbia. The two sides signed a statement of cooperation in October, uh, so we'll discuss that and other topics here. But uh, Lieutenant Governor Malott, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, first of all, what, what are Alaska's concerns in this debate? What, what is it worried about? Well, as you know, the Transboundary Rivers Treaty includes three rivers in Alaska, the Stikeen River, the Eunuch River, and the Taku, each of which rise in British Columbia and empty into waters in southeast Alaska. And our goal is, as British Columbia develops over time and currently, that our waters remain pristine so that the salmon runs, the hooligan runs, the, the entire watersheds and the habitats that those rivers make possible are maintained over time. And how does the, the international nature uh, of this complicate matters? You know, with, if this were between two states, there's pretty well-described mechanisms for resolving disputes in the U.S., but you know, how does it work between a different country? Well, as you know, Alaska does not border the continental United States. Our borders are with Canada, the Yukon Territory, and British Columbia. And the border with British Columbia is the transboundary border that we are discussing. And so we need to work with essentially a foreign government or foreign governments, both national and provincial. And in the case of Yukon Territory, a territorial government. The broad understanding between British Columbia and Alaska is contained in a memorandum of agreement or understanding that the Premier of British Columbia and the Governor of Alaska review and update every several years. This was done last year between Premier Christie and Governor Walker. 
essentially agreeing to cooperate, strengthen economic and cultural and and, and a range of other ties uh, that are common to our peoples. You're aware that the Alaska Highway, which is the only surface link between the state of Alaska and the rest of the United States, uh, goes through Canada, Yukon Territory, British Columbia, before it enters the United States. So the care of and the management of the Alaska Highway is important to Alaska and to British Columbia and to Canada. The development right now, the focus is on mining in British Columbia, but over time, agriculture could have an impact on those watersheds and those river systems. There could be developments that we are unaware of and not knowledgeable of at this time. So the purpose, essentially, of the relationship under this memorandum that I've just mentioned is to maintain strong cooperative relationships over time. The statement of cooperation that we have also entered into as a subset of the memorandum of agreement is also designed to foster long-term working relationships because, you know, the minds of today may be something entirely different a quarter century from now. And we would hope that uh, we have structures in place that allow us to continue conversation, that allow us to have a basis and the process for negotiation when that is necessary, that allow us to have our tribal citizens be interacting with First Nations citizens on the British Columbia side of, of the border to be able to have, in addition to a working relationship with British Columbia, a strong working relationship with the national government of Canada, which of course is responsible for the management of of water, essentially nationwide. And the goal is that long-term, we have strong working relationships amongst all stakeholders and the government interests involved. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of parties to this. Has it been difficult to get everyone in agreement? Well, that is a constantly evolving effort. For example, once again, fishery interests, commercial fishery, cultural interests are always going to be on our side of the border, heavily engaged in these transboundary matters. We want to create space and opportunity for an evolving range of stakeholders to emerge and to be involved as economic development and other development in British Columbia evolves. We essentially want to have a structure and a process in place that both engages with stakeholders on both sides of the border from our perspective, not wanting to interfere in the life of British Columbia as it evolves, but also want for stakeholders and the government on that side of the border to know what's happening on our side, to use this statement of cooperation to build relationships on both sides of the border amongst all stakeholders, even if contentious, so that we understand one another, we celebrate where we can, we make progress uh, over time, and we address tough issues as they evolve. 
The statement of cooperation that you mentioned was signed in October, and it created a, a working group with representatives from both British Columbia and Alaska. The first meeting was held in December. Uh, what can we expect from that working group? The working group is comprised of officials from the British Columbia Ministry of Mines and Energy and the Ministry of the Environment principally. There will be folks from the National Canadian Government Oceans and Fisheries uh, governmental agencies from the Canadian government's environmental and climate change ministries. From our side, uh, we will have folks from our departments of fish and game, departments of environmental quality, environmental conservation, and the Department of Natural Resources with the involvement of my office and, of course, the, the governor's office. We would hope that the technical working group will have an ongoing conversation, discussion, and again, negotiations if necessary over prospective mine developments in British Columbia, keep track of, of, of other economic development that might impact those river corridors. From our side, we are working to, uh, to assist First Nations and our tribes develop uh, the kinds of working relationships that are important. We want all of the stakeholders on our side to be able to have common relationships and ongoing discussions with folks on the BC side. We would hope that, and one of the things that we pledged to at the time that the statement of cooperation was signed, that we would have a meeting within six months of the signing of that statement uh, on our side of the border with all of our stakeholders in order to discuss where we are at that time, how startup has gone, to discuss with them issues that they think uh, are important, things we may have missed to uh, look out into the future and, and just continue to have the strongest working relationship with, with stakeholders in Alaska. Has that meeting happened yet? No, we signed in November, I think. And so it is going to take place here in April or May. But it's something that we pledged to at the time that we signed the agreement. So that is we, within the first six months, of our beginning this uh, structured effort, we formally communicate with our stakeholders to make sure we're in the right place, doing the right thing in the right way at the right time. Is this something that Alaska can address on its own, or does it need more involvement from the federal, U.S. federal government? We have been working with the Department of State, which of course has national responsibility for implementation of the treaty involved. We have met with the International Joint Commission and their staff. I will be traveling with Senator Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan to Ottawa in April or early May in order to meet with Canadian officials on both Arctic policy, climate change, and transboundary. So we are working both in Washington, D.C. and in Ottawa to maintain the best relationships possible to meet our goals. Alaska's congressional delegation last year sent several letters to the State Department. Has the change in administration had any effect on the negotiations? Quite frankly, we haven't heard yet. 
the new Secretary of State is building his team. There, I assume, will be many career officials that we have been dealing with in the State Department at the Canadian desk, Assistant Secretary level, climate change, on transboundary, on Arctic policy, all of which intersect. We will be meeting and and updating and building relationships uh, just as quickly as we are able. It's one of the letters sent from Senator Lisa Murkowski last year said that Alaskans need to have every confidence that mining activity in Canada is carried out just as safely as it is in our state. Yet today, that confidence does not exist. Would you say that's accurate or have there been developments in the last year to make you more confident in mining in Canada? Well, certainly we wouldn't be doing what we are doing if there was a high level of confidence. We need to work to build both understanding, communications, dialogue, such that as confidence is warranted that it is understood and that we aren't dealing with boogeymen or you know the paranoia that grows without knowledge without understanding without having relationships quite frankly i'm looking forward to one of the long-term outcomes of the implementation of the statement of cooperation be us learning from canada and us learning from british columbia as they as we push them as we discuss all that is necessary for us to have confidence on our side of the border, that our waters will remain pure, that the transboundary corridors will be the kind of, of uh, habitat that sustains the life that it has, as opposed to destroying that, that we will learn from Canada and be able to apply those in economic development and mineral development on our side of the border. One of the, to talk about confidence, and one of the stipulations of that statement of cooperation was a, a water quality testing program so that you have some sense of you know, what is coming downstream, if, if anything. As I understand it, there will be EPA funds that will be used to run that or to, to fund that program from the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation. Are you worried at all about federal cuts uh, having an effect on this program? Well, that's always a concern as one is dealing with a funding source. We would hope again that we build the kind of working relationship with new folks at EPA, that there is understanding and that these programs and funding can continue. Tribal interests uh, on our side of the border are helping to fund these water quality measurement programs. They will be done. Uh, we'll find a way to make them happen simply because that baseline data is so critical to both current and long-term understanding and result measurement of everything that we're doing. And without it, uh, we're flying blind. And what do you, what do you think uh, is a successful outcome of all these negotiations between Alaska and British Columbia? What would be the, the ideal circumstances for the state? As I think I've emphasized in this discussion, this has to be long-term. I would hope that a quarter century from now, as these rivers continue to flow, that they are still pristine, that the corridors themselves and the habitat that these rivers make possible still sustain the full range of life and flora and fauna and atmosphere that gives them such wondrous life today that the relationships among 
the governmental institutions, the non-governmental institutions, and the stakeholders is still vibrant and working in a cooperative way. And as I said, we have no idea. Agriculture may become big in British Columbia, and cow poop is just as toxic as as mineral leaks, and if not managed properly, uh, can be just as detrimental as can fertilizers and and other things. Also, I would hope that as our climate changes, which it certainly is, and uh, here in the uh, mid-latitudes of the north, we are feeling it more and more every single year that the statement of cooperation, the memoranda of uh, understanding between the state of Alaska and our Canadian neighbors allows us to be responsive cooperatively there. We are at the state level reaching out to, for example, the government of Nunavut in order to discuss climate change, in order to look at building First Nations and tribal relationships. Tribal relationships, First Nations relationships are very important to us going forward. In many ways, those uh, folks are the keepers of the land. They have intimate knowledge. They depend on the resource in some instances for their very livelihood. And those relationships should, should be robust and rich as we look out into the future also. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this is Lieutenant Governor Byron Malott uh, of Alaska. He's been speaking with us today about transboundary negotiations over uh, rivers that cross between British Columbia and Alaska. This has been another installment of Hotspots H2O. Read more of Circle of Blue's frontline coverage of the fast-changing competition between water, food, and energy at circleofblue.org. Thanks for joining us. I'm J. Carl Ganter.